0: Yummy Cocoa, Yummy Cocoa. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Welcome to the next installment of the Yummy Coco Show. This is a pub culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches, music, interviews, and games. I'm your host, Yummy Coco, a.k.a. Colette Prosper. I'm a TV writer and filmmaker. On this show, we talk about everything from Benifer packing on the PDA at a family dinner. Oh, my goodness. What's going on with this relationship? It just keeps going. uh, To California's full reopening this week. I'm still wearing a mask. Um, On this show today... Uh, we have Latin Grammy winner, Tony Sukar, and we're going to hear from my friend, Layla Momed in just a second. Uh, and later we'll play a game with Sean, but first up some housekeeping. If you like this show, please give it five stars on Apple, write a review, subscribe. It really helps people to find the show. Thank you so much. Uh, Layla Momed. um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, so um, I live in LA came, uh, from Dallas, and uh-huh. uh, I have been acting for like, I don't know, a long time. But <laughs> Yeah,
1: we met at UCB. <laughs> we met at
2: UCB, and you're my favorite person in the class. Oh, you're my favorite person.
1: <laughs> you're the best at pretend ice skating.
2: Oh my God, I forgot. <laughs> I, like I was aer- like, wow, you she's know, like gliding. Aerial? I cannot even remember like how that came to be. But, um, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was really
1: fun. I missed you, Yeah, I, I miss it too. I don't know what's going on. We, we all have those gift certificates because we got screwed over in our mm-hmm. 201 class. So maybe, maybe that will pick up again.
2: Yeah, that would um, be awesome
1: yeah, but um before before we um, go into a sketch, is there um is there anything that's making you happy these days? like um, are did you um like how are you enjoying this uh, hot back summer as they're as they're calling it?
2: I just moved to Highland Park. I was in Koreatown before this, and I am in love with my neighborhood. Nice. it's super walkable this morning I walked to a coffee shop and just sat outside and had coffee and it was really nice I live really close to a hike that I can walk to I'm getting cool. filled into my new apartment getting the furniture that I love and I'm just I am that's bringing me happiness just making my home a home and making it a place that I love and making it my sanctuary sanctuary and meeting my new neighbors and you know just feeling like I have finally a, a community in a neighborhood that I love.
1: That's great. I love Koreatown, but uh what's nice about Highland Park is that there's just like a lot of nature. It's a little slower paced mm-hmm. um than uh than where you were before. Mm-hmm. And so that's awesome. You're hiking, you're meeting new neighbors, got a cool coffee shop nearby. That's that sounds amazing.
2: Yeah, it's really nice. I love it so much. That's great. And I'm excited for everything to start opening up again.
1: Yeah, I'm nervous. I'm nervous and excited all at once, um, just because there are a lot of people who um, are just not as not very careful, and I, I hope that it's it doesn't spark um, another outbreak. Yeah. Somehow,
2: I feel like but, LA. We're. I feel like we're. Pretty responsible compared to other cities. I, I, my feeling yeah. is that will be okay, but we only time will tell.
1: Yes. Um. Yeah. Knock on wood. I'm not hoping <laughs> that's. I mean, that's all we can do. All we can do is just keep going, um, and uh, and just hope for the best. hmm Yeah. Okay, cool. So thank you so much. You've been amazing uh, doing uh, a lot of these sketches, um, especially in the early part of the show. So I wanted people to hear your voice a little bit.
2: Oh, thanks. I'm excited.
1: And now here's a sketch called Tough Love in the Maldives with Chrissy Teigen. Sketch. Chrissy, when you invited me to the Maldives, I didn't realize that that would mean
2: going into the ocean. Maldives is famous for their incredible beaches. Ah, oh, this is amazing, right? I've been to the beach
1: before, I've, and I and I've just realized that I'm, I'm terrified. I'm terrified of the water.
2: That's why John and I planned for us to come here. You're our best friend, and it's time you've overcome your fear with some tough love. But I can't swim. Please don't put this in your Insta story. Oh, my assistant already did. Yeah, I'm done. It's for your own good anyway. Right. Remember when I got you on a bike and you didn't know how to ride? Yeah,
1: and I almost caused a multi-car accident when I couldn't stop and, I, and
2: and then I fell into a ditch. Oh my god, I got so many virals after I gave you that Band-Aid.
1: I almost lost an arm,
2: and I still don't know how to ride a bike. Well, don't dwell on that. Let's get you swimming. Okay, swim! It's like when I was on the Ellen DeGeneres
1: show. What, what does Ellen have to do with being in the ocean? Just keep swimming, or just float, or something. Help me,
2: help me, help me, Chrissy Teigen. I can't swim. Let's do some breath work. Here, I'll live stream it. Yeah, I'm dead. No, I don't want to die here. Please, please don't film me. I don't want to die here. Ugh, OK, OK, let's take a break.
1: Now, what is the meaning of all this?
2: I was trying to teach her how to
1: swim. I saw my life flashing before my eyes. Now, why would you go around doing a thing like that to your own daughter? <laughs>
2: she is not my daughter. Oh my god, really? Thank you.
1: And we're back. Awesome. Let's get into my talk with Tony Sukar. Tony, welcome.
3: It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much. How are you?
1: Good, good. And you, how are you?
3: I'm doing amazing, actually. I'm doing great. Um, you know, happy to be here. It's an honor. It's a privilege <laughs> to speak to you.
1: Already. So yes. Thank you so much. Okay, so I'm gonna read your bio right now. So Antonio Guillermo Sucar Tyraiko. Uh, better known by his stage name, Tony Sukar is a Latin Grammy Award-winning Peruvian-American of Costa Rican descent. I love Costa Rica, by the way, (laughs) Um, I've always wanted to go to Peru. Um, He's a percussionist, composer, arranger, band leader, producer, and filmmaker um, because he directed his own documentary that we're also going to talk about. um, More about Tony, he was born on the same day as my little boy, um, so he's a Taurus. Um, he was born in uh, Lima, Peru. He grew up in Miami, which exposed him to the rich cultural scenes of Peru and America. His diverse heritage inspired his passion for fusing different musical st- styles, evident in the unique salsa pop vibe of his *Mas Demi* uh, album. Um, I'm sorry, because I, I, my family speaks French, so so when I um, when I pronounce things in Spanish, it comes out sort of. My my way of looking at words is sort of like in a French way. So correct me anytime. Um, so uh, Mas de Mi album. Tony's strongest influence is his Japanese grandfather, who instilled in him the values of excellence, passion first, craft, and the persistence to never give up. So, you know, again, we're here to talk about his documentary, also called Master Me, which means more of me, uh, which chronicles Tony's inspirational journey from his humble beginnings as an unknown indie artist recording in his parents' garage then to now a Grammy, a Latin Grammy Award winner. Um, and he is uh, joining this podcast for the first time. Thank you so much for being with me. Um, just reading over your bio, because like, you know, my family's from Haiti. Um, and, uh, very, uh, mixed, uh, family. So like, um, not just, uh, my Haitian family, but even, um, my family, um, they've spread out all over the world, Mexico, um, in, uh, other parts of Latin America. Also, um, I have Jewish cousins and Italian cousins. Um, I, I find you very interesting because you are able to blend all of your influences, like your, are um, you know, you, you have a Japanese grandfather, like your, your mom is half Japanese, but, you know, um, and, and then, uh, you know, Costa Rica, and then a Miami, and Miami is a huge melting, Latin American melting pot. So how is it that you're able to meld, because it seems like in a very healthy way, you meld, all of your influences. I, I think that that people who are what I call in betweeners, like it, they find it really hard. They feel like they have to pick a side. Um, do you feel like that ever? Like that you have to pick a side? Um, because, but in a healthy way, it, you seem like you you um, you incorporate everything about yourself. Almost like a sangria.
3: Yeah. No. It, it's <laughs> definitely um just a, a melting pot. You know, like that's but that's the only thing I know you know what I mean like I have um, just stuff that I really love about different cultures so I I, I just um, mesh them all together make them work somehow you know it's and it's interesting when you grow up in Miami mm-hmm. uh, because there's already here like it just doesn't feel like it's part of any country it feels like its, right. its own thing because it's not tied to any tradition you know like there's traditions from all of these different cultures right. and you can find them anywhere you want. It's kind of like New York too, you know, like New York has that um, all these places that have just heavy influence and heavy um, uh, immigration, you know, like uh population of, of immigrants. It's, it's always nice because even the food, right? You have just so many options and that makes it so awesome because best options. Food. Yeah. Huh?
1: do what's, what's, uh, do you
3: have a favorite restaurant? yeah, definitely. I'm always gonna be uh on the preference of the of the Peruvian and the Japanese side because oh. that's uh you know that's what I grew up eating and i that's what I love yeah um but there's actually one restaurant here that is a combination of both oh nice it's a peruvian and re- uh, Japanese restaurant, so that's my favorite because whenever I go there I can either like go to the Japanese menu or go to the Peruvian menu or just order one of each you know. And oh, just awesome. mesh them together, and um, well, that's what I represent. You know, that I represent the unification of cultures, and um, yes. my, music, my music does that. My music is very um, fusion. Like it's not, it's not even anything really. It's hard to put a genre to it because there's so much into it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Going back to the the sangria metaphor, because um, like sangria, it has wine, it has juice, it has sugar, it has pieces of fruit. Like your music has a lot of contrasting ingredients, like hip hop, and of course Michael Jackson, MJ. Um, and then you also it, um, there's a lot that like uh, like my favorite as a kid was like like early '90s Mark Anthony era salsa, Tito Puente here R&B. Um, you're super young, like what what do you listen to on a given day and like and also how many hours do you practice like you seem like you're always making music
3: yeah for sure i mean i i used to like practicing uh used to be a part of my routine i mean it should still be a part of my routine but you know just because of how busy i've gotten like i spend most of my time producing and making music rather than practicing my instrument but while you make music you're always practicing because you're always trying to push yourself to the next limit and learning you know i spend a lot of time on youtube as well like researching on how to do stuff because the times just keep going forward and like production keeps changing too there's so many different things that happen inside of like a song that's electronic based and i'm more of the old school like acoustic guy because that's where i came from i came from more of the traditional um music school you know going learning instru- your instrument reading music music theory and um you know today's day and age is so electronic based and it's about sounds and it's about sound design and um that's what i actually spend my time doing now investigating on that so i can Im- include that into my music so like i came from jazz then I went more into the pop, salsa, tropical, and now I'm doing tropical with trap. So nice. now I'm like nice. doing some more like urban stuff. Uh-huh. And that's what I like to do, man, because it's just so fun to keep pushing the bar, keep bringing new sounds, surprising the people, the public with new stuff. And um, they're really enjoying it, actually. And I'm really surprised I'm gaining a lot of different style fans and um, getting more people to like salsa music.
1: That's great. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, growing up, like that was music that was played like when we would clean the house and um, like it's 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 definitely a, a part of my childhood. I um, mean, your family are musicians, like your mom's a singer, um, your dad's a producer. So was it sort of ingrained that like you were gonna become a um, salsa sensation also, like our music, musical sensation? Well,
3: to be honest with you, it you know, I mean, I started playing with their band like they haven't they had a band. Um, So I started at 13 years old playing with their band. And it was a lot of salsa music. It was just it was part of my DNA is what I knew how to do. I mean, it's not like I went to school and bragged about it because it was like, it was weird you know it's older people music right i mean when you go to school you're like you want to listen to the stuff that's real in that's real hot that's on the radio that people want to dance at in the parties you know so it was a lot of hip-hop a lot of like the reggaeton Mm -hmm. urban stuff that movement um but you know i would like in everybody's like cd players right back in the day was like um you know uh like the disc men the walkman and stuff you know like i would i would have like salsa cds and stuff but i wouldn't let anybody listen to it like i'll just be like listening to my own thing Uh just because you know i didn't want to get made fun of there's a lot of peer pressure coming up but uh it was just in my in my vein i love that music
1: but in miami
3: oh yeah i mean here it was it was heavy heavy duty especially like because you know there's a lot of latinos here but you know, when you come go to public school here, it's very like it's very intense. You know, it's very intense. Yeah. And um, well, where part are Miami?
1: Are you from? Can I ask? Like, uh, yeah,
3: I'm from Kendall. Kendall.
1: Okay, I have family in Kendall,
3: which is a very it's a calm area. You know, but
1: yeah. you know, it, urban.
3: You know, the, you get the urban crowd and you get the urban kids and and uh, I, I was actually a part of that too. I was very into that movement. I I loved hip hop. I would listen to a lot of Busta Rhymes, Tupac, you right. know, DMX. Yeah. that was all part of my thing and then um you know i would i would also like start producing beats and hip hop and in class and have my friends like rap on it and yeah. it was a beatboxing it was so cool and that was a part of my culture it was a part of my upbringing and i wanted to be like gangster like to me that was like the coolest thing you know yeah be being... gangster yeah yeah so that that that's definitely in my blood, and I feel yeah. that I feel that when I make music too. Uh-huh. And I love watching like battle rap, even today, like I still listen to hip hop too mm-hmm. um you know I'm not that heavy into it because I'm more into the salsa thing but mm-hmm. but I love it, and I love the trap too man trap is is like super fire
1: so trap like uh the like kind of like soundcloud
3: yes uh-huh yeah. i love i love um you know even even like. R and B trap stuff, kind of like you know, even sometimes that weekend does. You know, that's like yeah. real dark. Um, and that's kind of the vibe that I'm going to right now too.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Um, so I, um, for you, like uh, what I something that strikes me about you is a vision. The idea of, of having a vision. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a writer and a and a filmmaker. Um, I have dreams of you know making TV shows and movies and and whatever. Um. And I, I find that, um, you know, at, over time, I've been able to develop more of an idea of what I like to tell stories about. Um, but it seems like for you, you know, you're a band director, you're a producer, um, and it's the, I find the similarities, like, you, you know, you have to be able to effectively communicate your vision so that multiple people can get where you're coming from, and, you know, give you what you need in order to make the, the product that you want to put out in the world. So um, were you always a leader in that sense? Like, were you always able to um, effectively communicate your ideas? Because, like, like from watching your documentary, for instance, like, you seem to know, it seems like you almost, like, cracked a code in a way in, like, figuring out um how to get what you need to get shit done. So, you know, I'm curious if that, if that skill took a long time for you to develop um, or if it came naturally to you, I mean, you, you do come from a musical family. So can you describe that?
3: Yeah, definitely. You know, I think being a leader, um, is something that you can develop. Like, you know, I don't think it, I mean, maybe some people are born just like with that leadership vibe. Mm -hmm. Um, that sense I, I wasn't that person but um, I was always very disciplined and I, I came up playing a lot of soccer like I was love soccer and I played on a lot of teams so I was used to like going to practice and um, you know at one point my dad became my coach and we made a soccer team ourselves wow and I was the captain of the soccer team so I had to be a leader you know and we were kids back then but it it you know it trains you because you you want to be very like responsible to to set the tone for the team you want to win mm-hmm. you want everybody to feel good and and um you want to get the best out of every player and you're the coach's son so there's um you know more pressure even because if you start slacking off then everybody's like oh you know if Tony's doing it and he's still playing and he's still starting and he's still the captain so it was like a lot of pressure i always wanted to be like the best and and be the best example too you know and also make people feel like they're a part of something um, that is theirs as well. Right. So it was a lot of psychology that I didn't know what was going on at the time. Just, it was just something that it was, I guess taught to me by my dad in a way without him forcing it on me. you know, like he was the coach, he was a leader too. Mm-hmm. He's the leader of my family. He's a great leader. He's a great um, example, right. For me to follow. And, And so then when I became a band leader, um, that's when, and the reason why I became a band leader, believe it or not, it was because people weren't calling me for gigs. Like Mm -hmm. people were not calling me to be a session musician or to play in their band. So Mm -hmm. I was like, wait a minute, if I'm, I just graduated, you know, from school and I'm going to like dedicate myself to music and I have no gigs. Like, what am I going to do? Like go work and sell instruments or become like a teacher? No way. You know, I want to go out and play. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. So I, just because of that reason, I had to become a band leader yes. and I had to go out and get my own gigs. Yeah. So once I became a band leader that taught me leadership skills, because then I had to be like the person that was booking the gigs. I was paying everybody that was telling the time they got to get there, the rehearsal scheduling everything, writing the music, giving the music to everybody, being the organization, doing the calendars, like all the logistics mm-hmm. for every gig um, about this. You know, there's just so much you have to do. And then that is what paved the way to, for me to become a great producer and great leader in that sense um, and good artist that that manages his own career. You know, I am the owner of my own career and I, I make my yeah. own decisions.
1: It's amazing. And
3: that's the best thing that I think anybody can do.
1: Yeah. So was that, um, going back to soccer, was that sort of born out of like, were there teams, there were no teams in Kendall or um, uh, like why, why did you, why did your, you and your dad start your own team?
3: Well, it's actually interesting. You know, when I was, um, coming up playing soccer, I was, uh, I was blessed to, to be playing on the best teams. Right. There was like amazing. There's one team called West Kendall. Like we would win all the state championships all the time. And then, uh, one year, one coach came into the, to the club, Mm-hmm. and um so you're in a you soccer know,
1: club which is like very serious soccer
3: yeah no it was very i actually actually my high school um we won national champions like we were the best team in the United. we didn't lose one game it was we had 33 and oh our record was crazy that was my senior year of high school like we had the best team on the nation wow, um,
1: so there are probably some kids on that team that are playing professionally right now
3: yeah yeah definitely people uh, that have, that have played you know world cups and pretty you know interesting and, and, and amazing things that I wish I would have done you know like I I had to choose the music career but yeah. um, you know when I was in the club like what happened was that one year one coach came in and he was just a terrible coach like he was mm-hmm. so bad that he started benching people that were really good and like just messing with your head and I couldn't oh. handle that it was just too much like pressure there was a lot of kids that left the team so us that we decided to leave the team mm-hmm. my dad was like instead of just going to another team, I'm just going to create my own and like, we're going to create our own club. Like awesome. he created his own club. Like, I, you know, we were the underdogs. The first games were terrible, you know, cause we were getting like used to, we were getting like, we had to go buy uniforms. We had to like walk, um, you know, on the streets with our little soccer balls and sell soccer balls and like wow. raise money for our, our uniforms. It was amazing. Like, you know, like, we would go with, with all the parents, you know, like, to go wash cars on the weekends to raise money. Wow. Like, it was real nice dynamic. We would show chocolates. Like, you know, do the whole, like, soccer team thing, you know, raise money for, for the team. And everybody was, like, humble homes, you know, you know very, like, low-income to medium-income families. I didn't realize it at the time how much our parents were putting in so much sacrifice. You know, my dad would work two jobs, and he would coach the team wow. every soccer practice. Yeah. It was crazy.
1: Wow, and not only um, coach, but like he he created your team and, and had to coordinate things, and also like I'm I'm sure like the teams because you are like a new team on the scene, so he had to find teams to compete against you guys.
3: Yeah, no, actually, what, what's crazy work. is that we 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 started off in the second division, you know, like just playing like the real bad teams, and we were actually really good, and then we went to the first division, and then wow. we. You know, we were competing there, and then I actually—it was crazy. But we had that one—you know—that one game where it was against that other team that I was on, right? So it was all oh, the people nice. that have left, have left the old team yeah. against the new, like right, our new team, right? And we actually won that game, and we ended up in a big brawl. It was a big fight at the end of the game. It was
1: wow. This is like Bad News Bears. This is a TV show.
3: I know it was crazy I gotta do like a movie
1: yeah you gotta keep this in your mind like uh, Ted Lasso but like Miami style
3: yeah yeah Yeah. it was a cool like experience because it was a great story you know and um you know I actually broke my ankle that game my cousin like he was on my team my cousin and then he ended up like like um tackling one of the guys because he broke my ankle. It was crazy because there was a lot of rivalry. It was a lot of like hardship. My my daddy, you know the the team's uh parents, you know, were fighting each other, wow. like screaming at each other. It was just a <laughs> lot of, and then you ended up like having to like it was crazy. We had to call the police. Like it was just Oh my
1: like, God. Yeah, it was
3: it was serious. But but we won the game fair and square, you know, and um they couldn't handle that because, you know, we were the underdogs
1: uh-huh that's amazing so okay so this is this is like your origin story um because this is this has set you up to become your own band leader because again you have that spirit like your your dad is just like okay so and and you too like okay i'm gonna have my own band i'm going to um you have your own label too i think also yeah
3: yeah i have my own label we have our own yeah. band and now i have my own studio my and, and studio Um, you know, I built it with my dad as well. So you can see that relationship that I have with him is so special.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And so, um, all of this, now you've created your own documentary about, about your life, about, about your, your work. Um, you know, filming can, I guess, be easy. You know, you have someone pointing a camera. Um, so that, that might not be so hard, um, I mean, it is hard, but like, it's not as hard, but like when you have hours and hours of content in creating a documentary, it almost feels like you have like, it's like cold noodles in a fridge and you have to like take it out later and detangle it and warm it up and make it into like a delicious dish that like is palatable to people. So can you can you tell us like the process of making a documentary, um, especially like, you know, you're, you're a musician, you're a composer, you, um, a band director, um, like, you're like and now you're a filmmaker because of it so uh because of this documentary so like can you tell us the process of it and and why you ended up at the helm of of the movie and what the, the whole process was like
3: yeah of course I mean you know doing uh, uh producing a documentary is very very time-consuming uh big project 90 minutes you know it's very long yeah um and also it's very expensive it's um, you know you wouldn't believe how many details come into such a you know project, and that's why these films and documentaries they take years to make and and that's why uh it took me so long to put it together as well but um, you know, I wasn't planning to do a documentary the The reason why I did it was because um the story of this last album that i I produced. Um, called Mas me, which happens to be the first album that comes out of my own studio that I built with my dad. Wow! You know, we we got the surprise that you know it it got nominated to Latin Grammys in four categories, including Album of the Year, the biggest category, right? Mm-hmm. And and then I won two big categories: Best Salsa Album and Album of the Year. Exactly. It was like a huge surprise to me. It was like, what? Like, how did this even happen? Like I'm an independent. I have no label. I have no investor. You know, there's this album was produced in my garage. You know, like how am I competing against these huge artists with such reputable and long careers? And how am I winning? You know, like. But the proof is in the music. Proof is in the pudding. And then I was able to record the entire process because I knew that one day, like it would be nice to tell a story and to show people what what it takes you know the real organic story of how how you make music and what's the real important elements of music to get you to to where you need to go and when I won the Grammys I was like this is the perfect time to finally do this because I could tell this story and it's so true and it's so dynamic and it's so real that I feel like people need to watch it now especially you know my fellow Latino musicians that um There's so many of us out there that are struggling, that don't know where to go, that don't know what to do, that don't have the resources, the connections, and are sort of in the air and and we don't really know what the path is. So I wanted to show what my path was and how I did it, because that's going to inspire people to take that leap of faith and say, you know what, I could do this. I don't need all the money. I don't need all the connections. You know, it really, you just need to put in the work, right? And yeah. you need to start with just your first project, and then see where that takes you. And so that—that's really why I got inspired to do it. And it was a big, long process. It was so much editing. It was hours and tons of hours of content, terabytes of footage, um, mm-hmm. to put you it all into amazing ninety minutes. Yeah.
1: You edited yourself.
3: Yes, I edited wow. this documentary. Um, well, it's a team of editors actually. It's a team of three editors. Okay and then a team of audio editors as well, but I was the lead editor on, on it. Like, so um, I was the one that sort of put the story together. Like they basically did uh, all the work of cutting off all the fat, right? Off of all the footage, cause there's so much footage. And then after that, I just started piecing everything together, polishing it. And then I had a, a great color correcting uh, color correction um, specialist that was on board A um, great audio mixer as well. Yeah. and and then we have just put it all together
1: so yeah because the cinematography is great and so were you working so so you had three editors working out but did you have like multiple camera people
3: yeah yeah we had a. Uh, I, I think there was like i mean during the course right of two years there was like at least 20 different camera operators you know depending on where we were shooting at like in cuba we had a different camera, uh camera editor i mean camera operator than here in miami and in new york was different And when we went to, you know, the different places that we needed to go. Um, So, so yeah, of course, like it's all definitely, um, it was a team effort, Mm -hmm. but um, the cinematography, like I, I was very, very uh picky when it comes to you know the shooting and everything and i would tell all the camera operators that this is the way i wanted to look you know i wanted to be 24 frames per second i wanted to be you know natural light not warm light you know so i was kind of directing the photography as well in a way mm-hmm. during the whole process because it was like running gun and i didn't have a you know huge budget these things are very expensive so i had to do a lot of stuff myself is one of the best things that i could have done film or- yeah i'm sorry
1: it was digital film, right?
3: Digital film, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh-huh.
3: yeah and uh, it was it was a lot of work, but it was so well worth it because now people, when you know, when they want to see more of me, right? I mean, they can because they got this film.
1: That's right. They see your vision. They see your passion, um, your music, everything. But it it is a really great movie, um, and uh, and so it took two years to make. Does that also include the editing, or is it, um, or is it like it was two years of filming and then? No,
3: the- it was like about two years of everything, like um, uh, including the filming. But there's there's stuff on the on the film that was shot four or five years ago as well, like because mm-hmm. that was during the time that I was doing the Michael Jackson tribute album.
1: Yeah.
3: Um. So there's a lot of footage from there as well, and it's just uh, it's like a lifetime project really. It was it was really nice and. I'm so excited and thankful that you were able to watch it.
1: Yeah, no, it was great. Okay, so I have another long-winded uh, question because, like, recently I was listening to—I um, don't know if you watched the show Cobra Kai—but um, one of the stars is uh, Billy Zabka, and he plays um, Johnny Lawrence. And so he was talking to Mark Marin a few weeks ago, and he was saying that, like, even um, that he was talking about like taking gambles, like um, like career gambles, and. And he he said that like even, even when he wasn't winning in his career gambles, he still um, believed that like it's going to work out. And then you know he he's had now this hit show. And so in a way, your tri- was your um, in the movie it, it suggests that the um, Michael Jackson tribute album was uh, a gamble because uh, it didn't it didn't pay off in the in the Grammys. Uh, at the Latin Grammys, so like um, trying to connect these two together, um, like you know, um, what 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 is it? What was that like for you? Um, and then you know, how, do you? What do you think about like taking taking risks? And is that part of the creative process? Like you have to do it. I believe in that. Um, I'm curious about you.
3: Yeah, I mean I think life is about taking risks and if you want to if you want to win big you got to risk big, you know, like there's just no other way and um this type of project was, you know, such an investment of energy, money, time. Um first of all, you're doing uh covers of Michael Jackson. So you're already in the huge negative with having to pay massive licenses and having to deal with that, you know, it's kind of like a nightmare in a way. Right. Like, cause you, you know, you, everything you want to do, you have to ask for permission. And it's like, it was, that was a lengthy process already. So, yeah, but it was in my heart to do it because I love Michael Jackson. You know, I, I love his music and I did it from the heart. You know, that was a tribute, a real tribute. You know, it wasn't like, okay, I want to become famous or, you know, I want to like make money. Mm-hmm. Had nothing to do with it. I simply really wanted to showcase michael's music in a different way because i'm a latino and us latinos we love his music and as a salsero i knew that his songs were going to be killing in this genre of salsa music and with amazing salsa artists you know i had over 100 musicians 10 huge artists on board as guests on the record it was great but like i like you said it did not you know there's there's some stuff that i thought would pay off right like bigger like I would be on a platform that I can actually compete in like the Latin Grammys, you know, like this is, this is something that's Latin music, but no, they disqualified the album. And they said, no, this is not, this is, this doesn't, this doesn't meet the requirements. This, this, this breaks the rules. You're, you're breaking the rules, Tony, don't break the rules, right? Your music is breaking the Latino rules, which is like, don't do stuff that's not in Spanish. Right. And it's like, what do you mean? Like, you know, there's a huge, like, population inside of the united states that are called u.s latin you know we're like a new generation right mm-hmm. of latinos that speak english that love american culture but they don't see it that way yet i mean we are latino music is supposed to be in spanish that's what they want to just maintain mm-hmm. you know and that's why um and i get it you know like they're you, you know, it, it's a part of the it's a part of the culture. It's a part of history, but I'm here to disrupt that. You know, I'm that guy that's like here to disrupt that to say, hey, your thinking is too old school. You know, like we're in a different era now. You know, music can be in English and still be Latino. You can dance salsa and sing in English. Why not? So yeah. um, it was a gamble. I lost. But then I won after that.
1: Yes. With a, with a more, you know, uh, you kind of followed the rules a little bit more.
3: Yeah, think. yeah. Because you know what? I said, okay, look, I'm not going to be able to change a whole entire institution, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But I'm here. I want to I wanna prove something. I said, I want to show them that I'm a capable of doing a music that's amazing. And it doesn't matter what the language is. I could do it in English, and I could do it in Spanish too. And um, and so people were were thinking, like I guess, like people were saying that, oh, you know, maybe he is like a good producer, and he can't really write original songs. That's why he's doing Michael Jackson covers. You know, I said, nah. You know, I'm gonna show you what my original music is gonna be like, and I'm gonna show you that it's worthy enough to be there as well on the bigger platforms. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's what I did. And thank God that, you know, he paved the way. I was not expecting a nomination. You know, I said, if it happens, it happens. But I just want to just show the world what I can do. And then I got four of them. So I was like, yay.
1: Yes, vindication.
3: <laughs> vindication, yeah. No, it was a lot, you know. I didn't want it to feel that way. But it kind of did, you know. It was just natural. It's kind of like, you know, the whole, like, uh, you know, us humans, we are, we are, very like uh sometimes we just you know the inside of us just gets the best of us and we just want to prove people wrong sometimes you know we want to just show the world what we got
1: yeah yeah you in a in a way yeah you want that that pat on the head that pat on the back
3: yeah it's kind of like the competitive nature you know i you have to be competitive in this game like there's no i mean luckily this is not like sports where there needs to be a winner and a loser in a way. Like there's no losers in music because you, what do you lose? Like you lose a Grammy who cares, you know, because you got fans and you, people are consuming the music in sports it's different. You're losing, you're out of the tournament. You're not, you're not going to, you know, win the cup. You know, you, you, you can't be successful by losing in, in, in sports. I think it's a lot more competitive, but thanks to sports, I got that competitive nature in me like already. And I see music in, in a way where it's like, you know, I, I, I want to be on the winning team. I want to show, uh, I want to be successful. I want this to, to win awards and stuff like that. And not that I do it for that, but it's just the nature in me. And so that's why I also strive on always reaching that level of excellence, right? That's very important to me.
1: Yeah. And you're, you're always pushing yourself and you're, and like, what, what that, so this leads me into my rapid fire questions. And so mm-hmm. I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I just want to ask you a few um, rapid fire questions. So uh, we'll start. What motivates you?
3: Love motivates me.
1: Nice. Uh, favorite cake.
3: Ooh, Oh, I love this question. There have there's so many of them. I love carrot cake. That's my favorite.
1: Oh, it's good with the cream cheese frosting or vanilla.
3: Yeah, vanilla one.
1: Oh, cool. <laughs> what what what's um what's a favorite movie?
3: Hmm. You know what? I think my favorite movie was uh Soul, which I recently watched. Not oh, so great
1: movie!
3: Incredible, incredible movie. Amazing.
1: Yeah. If you could be any flavor of ice cream. Uh, what ice cream flavor would you be and
3: why? Ooh, I'm, I know this one for sure, and I'm pretty sure you don't know this flavor. It's called lucuma. Lucuma is a fruit in, that only grows in Peru, that only exists in Peru, and um, they have this thing called lucuma ice cream. It's amazing. So if you ever go to a Peruvian restaurant, ask them if they have lucuma ice cream, and it'll blow your mind because there, they there, like you can't find that anywhere.
1: What's it related to? What's lucuma related to? Like, is it like sour soap? Is it like a uh, coyote? I don't know.
3: It's kind of like its own thing. I just don't even know how to describe the taste. It just, it's something that I love so much. And you know, everybody that I introduce lucuma to, uh-huh. um, not the fruit, but the ice cream goes crazy.
1: <laughs> oh, I gotta do it. I gotta try it. Thank yeah. you so much. And then my very last question is, um, well, okay. So two last questions is uh, like, you know, Miami, like we hear on the news all the time, um, like, you know, Florida is open. And I, I hear from musician friends, my, my husband's a musician, we have friends who are musicians, um, they talk about Miami almost as if like, it's this like Oz or something that's like, you know, music is happening there live music. So, so what's it like for you? Like, are you playing out right now? Like, are you performing live? Um, what are your plans for the summer? Um, and then any new projects that you have on the horizon?
3: Yeah, most definitely. I, I mean, I'm more working in the studio than anything. I'm not doing that many gigs. I mean, obviously because of the pandemic, but just because like the pandemic has actually shifted me a little bit towards doing more uh, production work and I'm enjoying it a lot. So I've been very, um, you know, picky when it comes to what shows I'm going to do. Like before I would do a lot of different shows and a lot of local shows, but now I'm just kind of like becoming more exclusive and making sure that whatever gigs that I do do are like on a bigger scale. So I've been getting called for to do some traveling gigs, uh, for next year still like the Bahamas, you know, and, uh, Spain and stuff like that. But, uh, Guatemala and, but here in the United States, yeah, here in the United States, I haven't gotten any, um, recent gigs yet. Yeah. Um, I did do a show in Pompano beach, nice. A couple of weeks ago, <laughs> was nice, um, but yeah, I'm not playing that much right now. I'm uh, just dedicating myself to, to the productions but I have a PBS special right now that's going to be airing in in the 16th of July. It's completely done. It's going to air nationwide, um, on Latin jazz. I directed and produced that, uh, film. Uh, it's a concert film. It's super nice. It's real, real nice. Then I have.
1: Awesome. On PBS. July 16th.
3: July 16th. Yeah. Sorry. July 16th.
1: That's awesome. Uh
3: Uh-huh. Yeah. And I also have, um, you know, production I'm doing for some big artists as well. I just released, uh, you know, this single that's the Trap Salsa song. It's called uh, Tu Mejor Equivocacion, but it's also going to come out in English, uh, an English version. Um, it's called Worst Way. Uh, we're going to be shooting the music video next week. So I'm- there's so much, there's okay. so much to come. Yeah.
1: The video too?
3: Yeah, the new video is going to be awesome. Like, you're going to love it. Like, it's so cool. It's got, Im- imagine literally the weekend, but a tropical.
1: Oh, nice yeah nice so like like uh dark and brooding but with like palm trees
3: oh yeah <laughs> no, it's gonna be killer like we got this super sexy amazing model as lead actress on it and that's like yeah. latina but she got that like you know infectious um it, i was actually inspired wow. by the cruella movie which was actually one of my favorite movies that i've watched as well cruella's oh, amazing
1: nice. i love the costuming
3: oh, so killer good. killer but um i was thinking like yeah like doing like uh you know, this type of, a uh, Cruella Latina, you know, uh-huh. that uh-huh. type of a character.
1: Cool. All right. So, um, this is great. It's amazing. I'm so inspired that you, you are still hard at work, you know, in the, in the pandemic, um, because it's been really tough for everybody. Um, but you're, you're out there, you're creating like that, that lifts my spirit. And I'm sure a lot of people that are listening here too, and, and motivating them to, to, to to follow suit. Um what else is making you happy? This is my final question. You know, what else is making you happy these days?
3: Um you know what's making me happy these days? That's what that was the question, right? Yeah. I mean, I think right now is is being able to be more at home. I used to travel a lot because I was touring so much. Mm-hmm. So, being able to be here more time has been real nice and, and a big blessing. Um Spent more time with my wife at home with our dog mm-hmm. so that's definitely something that's um making me happy and, and just making music is always is great you know in the studio but I definitely do miss like the live performances and stuff like that um um but yeah I mean I'm eating well
1: good not, that looks like now, cream. You
3: know, ice cream so nice <laughs> yeah everything is good thank god
1: Cool, 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 cool. Thank you so much, Tony. This has been amazing talking to you. Thank you so much. So um, the documentary is called Mas de Me, um, And then also you have a PBS special, July 16. Um, are all any of these available also online for just someone to, to stream?
3: Yeah, well, uh, the documentary is definitely available to stream. It's on Vimeo right now. And soon it's going to be also available on Google Play and iTunes as well uh and and um, voodoo and then the uh pbs special is called raisa's roots of latin jazz and that is actually um, just gonna be airing on pbs broadcast on july 16th but soon after we should have also available um on all the digital platforms as well for people to stream so just to, you know stay in, in in tune with my social media tony sukkar is my name uh, S-U-C-C-A-R that's how you spell my last name and you can Did just don't it. yeah don't <laughs> and you'll be able to find all the information there yeah Game. Game.
1: Let's play a game, Sean.
0: Okay, let's do it.
1: All right, so uh, I'm with me is uh, Sean. Hello. Uh, he provides all the music you Except hear on the show. Except for that little kalimba intro. Except for the kalimba intro, that is yours truly. Which is playing. S- kind
0: of peeking. It's a little loud, but. Sorry. There you go. It doesn't need to you could have it like maybe six inches more away from that. It's fine. Let's, okay. Let's play All the right. game
1: Yes All right, you're so excited Okay, so the game is
0: All right this fill in be the a good blanks okay. fill
1: in the blanks middle-aged celebs gone mad edition Some are finding love some are doing some wacky things. I want you to fill in these uh, headlines Okay um, Is it
0: multiple choice or do I just have to guess? You
1: just have to guess. Oh, man. Yeah, just take a wild guess. It's kind of funny. It's kind of like Mad Libs. Okay. Almost. So, like, in honor of um, uh, Bennifer and other quite, and there are oddly also uh, quite a few other reunions and interesting courtships that are happening this month. Uh, So, let's play a game in honor of that.
3: Okay. Um, You
1: have... Seven seconds to the complete these new headlines. There are no winners. Um this is a uh, Are truly there losers? No. Truly, no winners, no losers. Truly no one wins um knowing this information. It's just We um, all lose. W- w- we all win in the game of life, <laughs> but uh no one wins in this game. It's okay. just it's just uh I don't know, it's like Mad Libs Ha Ha-ha. ha. Ha-ha, Haha funny. Ha-ha. Okay, um, some more kalimba. All right, so number one, can blank save Chrissy? Question. Chrissy Teigen wants to sit down da- wants a sit down interview with blank to help salvage her reputation amid growing cyberbullying scandal.
0: I'm going to guess Oprah because she has that new series and uh, you know everyone loves Oprah so I feel like if anyone could save her it's Oprah maybe Jesus but
1: always Jesus yeah so sources claim but you were right sources claim Chrissy Teigen 35 is being advised to go into hiding and lay low
0: oh my god
1: Uh, the wife of John Legend is allegedly plotting a sit down chat with Oprah she is going to lay it all down and talk about um, why she wanted um, internet fame so much uh, or cyber uh, social media fame. Okay, let's go on to the next one. One second. Okay. Number two, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck pack on the pda with a passionate kiss during blank in malibu as he bonds with her blank proving things are getting very serious again
0: um i don't know does she have kids i'd say like i don't know play date not play date like I don't know they're probably on the they're at malibu they're probably on the beach they might be at a restaurant maybe hiking hike at Mal- malibu i don't know so i don't know anything about j-lo's family
1: okay so uh so your guess is that they um shared a passionate kiss during hiking in malibu as he bonds with her
0: oh maybe her does she have a dog does she live in LA? like i i know nothing about j-lo like
1: well, well, you were you were right first time. Okay, so okay, her Jennifer, kid. yeah, she has two. Kids, she has twins with okay. Mark Anthony.
0: Oh, Mark Anthony, and and then she was like married to a dancer after, right?
1: Um, Casper Smart. Okay, I think that was yeah. They were were they married? I don't remember. All but right. uh, just yeah, just n- not good choices, J Lo. I love you. Just make better choices. So Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck pack on the PDA with a passionate kiss during family dinner. In Malibu as he bonds with her twins, Emmy and Max, as uh, proving wow, things she has are twins? getting. That's yeah. like how
0: little I know about Jayla Oh,
1: yeah. She has twins. She she had twins around the same time that Mariah Carey had twins. That's exciting. And, uh, and with other, Nick Cannon? Like, with are Nick those, Cannon. Those, so those are Nick Cannon's
0: twins. Those That's are Nick exciting. Cannon's twins. The Cannon twins. And
1: uh, the Cannon twins. And... Also, Nick Cannon is having another set of twins. All right. So he's gonna have like six or seven. Go kids. ahead, Nick Cannon. Oh yeah, he's he's got a lot of stuff in his powerful cannon, stuff in he's his got, cannon. Yeah. Cannon, exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah, man, that's a that's, that's a powerful a power, one.
1: It's a power canyon. Cannon. C- canyon. Well, well well. Well, you're
0: thinking about Malibu. You're thinking I'm thinking about, about all Malibu those canyons.
1: I, and and I don't know, maybe it's kind of vaginal, but like um, but power yeah, I don't cannon. Know. It was, I was i was trying to say but i said canyon and it said freudian slip yep. um let's move on to the next one angelina jolie exits ex-husband johnny lee miller's brooklyn apartment after enjoying blank and blank
0: i don't know uh i have no idea um netflix and chill <laughs> i don't know does she watch netflix
1: I don't I don't know if she does I, I imagine she does
0: Is it like wine and I don't know something something sexy was it something sexy or
1: yeah it's kind of sexy okay. so uh, they enjoyed an intimate dinner and nightcap okay. Um, the two were married in 1996 after meeting on the set of their movie Hackers a year prior, um, but they separated shortly after and officially divorced in 1999. So it's like all these. Um, we're old, in Brooklyn. Uh, Dumbo. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, rich, rich, uh, rich part of Brooklyn, not our part of Flatbush. Um, that'd be kinda cool if if he was. But but uh, I don't know. I'm sure it's a great apartment. Uh okay, go moving on, moving on. Uh Kanye West acts up, puts on a blank during a virtual court deposition.
0: Puts on a uh I don't know, is it a piece of clothing? Clothes. Um it's something that he puts on. I mean, he could have put on like, you know, a tantrum or he could have, did he put yeah. on the Ritz?
1: He, he definitely did not
0: put on the he Ritz. He wasn't putting on the Ritz? I
1: that. I wish he did. I know. I really wish he I'd did. I'd love to see
0: Kanye put on Ooh. the Ritz. It would be oh. better than the, some, of, some of those Yeezy, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, man. Put those on like, the Ritz,
1: Kanye. I don't know. Just, like future yeah.
0: apocalypse, like nomad clothes.
1: Putting on the Ritz. All right. Do, do. Okay. So, no, he, he did uh, opposite of that. He put on a Jesus mask.
0: OK, I, I was thinking I, I was thinking like a hat, but he put on a straight up Jesus mask. Was it like a white Jesus or a black Jesus?
1: I don't know. Um, oh, I, I that would also make me upset, too.
0: I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. Like if he had e- a black Jesus, either, either way, it's like, yeah, it's 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 intense.
1: OK, so the soon to be ex-husband of Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, is currently embroiled in a court case that pits him against a black owned company. The company has accused him of using them and its technology to help with his Sunday service and Yeezy merchandise. And then he skipped out on promising uh, to invest in the company, uh, according to the Blast. Kanye went wild during the deposition. The putting, Blast. That's uh... yeah. They put him on blast. Okay. Uh,
0: no, but I'm saying the Blast is a uh, is a publication. Publication. All right. Yeah.
1: Uh, they went wild during the deposition before putting. He went wild. Um, before, uh, during the deposition, uh, before he put on a full face mask, declaring that nobody had the right to see his face.
0: Wow, he's someone that that doesn't need more Jesus. Yeah, he's at he's least ha- in the way that he's been <laughs> having his personal. He sh- he should just he he needs to change his personal relationship with Jesus cause his it, his se- cup it seems ha- like hath uh, runneth over. Of seems Jesus. like an, an abusive one on I don't know
1: cuz like Yvonne Orgie has other parts. Yvonne Orgie's memoir is bamboozled by Jesus. Um Yeah. Is he like sort of the opposite of the, on that spectrum?
0: I think he's bamboozling himself. I think he's himself and Jesus. I think he's everybody and it's all like, you know, it's all one like in his head, but
1: So so as he's bamboozled by Kanye
0: yeah, he's like he's he's bamboozling himself. I don't know. He he needs he needs help. I mean, he's had help, but he needs to Yeah. I don't know, go back on whatever medication he needs to be on or
1: Well, he's dating now. Uh, that's another um uh, uh another group uh, coupling that that's happened this season is uh he's now dating uh Bradley Pitts act not Bradley Pitt, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Bradley I mean it is uh, uh Is he is he I think is he's, Bradley it's William Pitt? Jefferson Bradley Pitt, I okay. think. But no, Bradley Cooper's ex. Okay. Irina, uh Russian model, uh that's not her last name, but they've been um they've been dating and okay. they went to Paris recently. Okay, moving on. The podcast blank inks sixty million dollar Spotify deal after host fuel at Barstool.
0: What? Host fuel?
1: So a uh, host feud. Sorry. Host feud. Okay. So, so the podcast, blank, inks a 60... So this podcast, blank, you have to guess the name, okay. inks a $60 million Spotify deal after um, the hosts of the show um, broke up due to a feud at Barstool... Uh, wherever bar barstool sports
0: i don't i don't know i mean there's a f- like is it joe rogan or something is it the joe rogan experience or that's just well, he, him he
1: got it he got his own big deal at spotify okay
0: but this I, is you know i i know so few podcasts and all the ones that i know are like one person like mark mayron or
1: yeah okay so so this is like it's almost like uh i mean it's just like the the, uh, the um it's called, I know the yummy a, cocoa show. You know the yummy Cocoa show. The, the yummy cocoa show is not getting a sixty million dollar deal. The the not only yet. The, the only
0: feud would be between me and you, yes. but <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna give us sixty million dollars to fight. And
1: it's all about dishes or like yeah. who, who didn't fix the bed. Exactly. Um so anyway, let that be a lesson to you. Uh, if I get this uh, Spotify deal, but anyway, uh, can you guess the the title of the no, I, like the I, ta- name ta- of the I told podcast? you, I I I have no you idea. Up, you give up? It's called Call Her Daddy.
0: Okay. So, <laughs> that, that, yeah, that wouldn't have came to my mind at yeah, all. Yeah,
1: it was kind of uh the title, but it's a really popular podcast. I'd never is, heard of it. Is it
0: chuggy or is it just like not? I think it's pretty taste. tacky. It's super tacky, but I don't know if it's chugy. Is it like trying to be young? Uh,
1: I call her daddy.
0: Call her daddy? Daddy.
1: I don't know. So call her daddy isn't advice. I think you're
0: thinking that that that's chugy is chugy. Like I oh, I think oh. in, I think in order for it to be chugy, it would have to have like some like Gen Z buzzwords in it. That, like, aren't actual Gen Z buzzwords anymore, like... I don't know, but I think... It would would have to be, like, yes, queen, or, you know, something, like, appropriated from, like... um, Years past. Yeah.
1: Okay, so Call Her Daddy is an advice and comedy podcast that has signed an exclusive deal with Spotify starting July 21st. And it is the largest exclusive deal Spotify has ever made for a woman-led show. So, good for her. I uh, hope it, it's a good show. Okay. Okay, almost done here. Hilaria Baldwin. Hilaria. She ignores her Spanish heritage. This is a headline. Hilaria Baldwin ignores a Spanish heritage scandal in her new podcast with Alec, but admits to making blank.
0: Admits to making, I don't know, paella? Like... <laughs> no i don't know i
1: like that mad libs yeah guess. no I,
0: I don't know i'm like uh she's not admitting to anything spanish um i don't know what what admits to making mistake.
1: Wow, wow, good guess, good guess. Okay, so yes, um, Hilaria Baldwin ignores the Spanish heritage scandal in her new podcast with Alec but admits to making mistakes. Okay. So in the debut episode of their new podcast, What's One More?, Hilaria sidesteps her cultural appropriation scandal and used the premiere to present herself as a force for inspiring positive dialogues about mental health and the challenges we all face. Uh, Her goal with her husband Alec, they said, is to build a community and make this world a better place for their children or make this a better world for our children. So that's that. She admits to making mistakes. Um, that's that so this is what happened like over the you know, since since we last um were were on. Um okay. so as of today, June sixteenth, um, Chrissy Teigen's trying to get on Oprah. Hilaria has admitted to mistakes, uh, Kanye wore a Jesus mask and um Benefer is still going on that's still going strong so thank you so much for doing this um sean we've learned a lot
0: yeah no problem in this time
1: that we've chatted now we have to go um, pick up our son all right uh who's at uh camp Let's uh so soccer camp yeah so what what's making you happy these days
0: um i don't know summer summer is nice. nice my uh new synthesizer the ob6 is making me happy mm-hmm. um I don't know, having time to practice music and write music, thats that makes me happy. Cool. Um, yeah.
1: All right. Well, I'm happy to talk to you.
0: I'm happy to talk to you, too.
1: All right. So this is awesome. We'll see you next week. I'm Yummy Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye. Bye.